Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. Casebooks of Gregory Hood. Tonight, the Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to the story of the Double Diamond. Another exciting adventure from the casebook of Gregory Hood. Sunday night in San Francisco, and we have a date with Gregory Hood and his good friend and attorney, Sanderson Taylor. Tonight's rendezvous is down on the city's colorful waterfront. There, with a backdrop of the bobbing, brightly tinted sails of the fishing boats, lies that mecca of seafood, Fisherman's Wharf. Hello, Gregory. Hello, Harry. Sit down and join us. We were just discussing the merits of baked red snapper as compared to the subtler charms of bouillabaisse. <laughs> I'll be guided by you, Greg. I know this is one of your favorite hangouts. Well, I think you'd go for the snapper. They have a wonderful way of marinating the fish with lime juice then icing it for several hours before cooking. Uh, look, Greg, while we're waiting to order... Oh, uh, okay, Harry. I can see that Monday night look in your eyes. You want a story from the case book. Jack. Well, this particular adventure happened in February last. I had to go to New York to look over a collection of wonderful Gobelin tapestries that had just arrived from Europe. Sandy was afraid he might miss some fun, so he decided to come with me. <laughs> Don't you believe it, Harry. I went along because I'm Greg's attorney, and I'm scared of his making a deal without me there to advise him. <laughs> but go on, Greg. Well, whatever Sandy's motives were, we found ourselves sitting in the bar of the San Francisco airport, waiting for our plane to be called, and that's when the story really began. I remember as we sat there downing an extremely smooth cherry that I was in a singularly garrulous mood. You know, Sandy, there are only two things I dislike about airplane travel. Eh? What are they? First, they allow you to smoke nothing but cigarettes. This is the last chance I'll have to enjoy this magnificent outsized hunk of briar until we land at Chicago. <laughs> well, the fact it should make the other passengers very happy. Oh. Uh, what's your second piece? That you're not allowed to date the stewardesses. They're always extremely delectable. I get so lonely up there in the clouds. Mm, you do all that. Now, I'll tell you the one thing I do like about plane travel. And what's that? It assures me, uh, for a few hours at least, that you keep out of trouble. Well, dullness is restful in very small doses. But for a steady diet, I really... Hey, Sandy, look at this. Huh? Well, it's just a paper napkin crumpled in the bar. Look a little closer. Uh, somebody's drawn something on it and looks mm -hmm. Great Scott, it's, it's quite a good likeness of a cobra's head. Yes, Sandy, which happens to be the Hood and Company crest. A very neat way of attracting my attention. And uh, read on the other side. Mm, let's see. Watch the colonel. What are you supposed to mean, sir? I don't know. It looks like beauty in distress, but there isn't a girl in the bar. Oh, I don't see any signs of a colonel, either. There's nothing over a captain in uniform here. Oh, wait a minute, Sandy. Get a load of that elderly gent with the droopy mustachios sitting in the corner. Oh, yes. He'd certainly fit the bill for a Kentucky colonel, wouldn't he? It's almost a caricature. <laughs> I do believe he's drinking a mint julep. He is. Come on, Sandy. Let's follow this through. Oh, and I said you'd be out of trouble for a few hours. I'm terrible, sir. I'm terribly sorry. The clumsy of me. I stumbled against your table. Let me order you another drink. Yeah, do bother, sir. With me living here. Oh, I insist. Uh, bartender, bring another drink here, please. Yes, sir. Coming up, sir. Yeah, yeah, it was very kind of you, not sir. Not at all, not at all. Uh, by the way, my name is Gregory Hood, and this is Mr. Sanderson Taylor. I do, sir. And I say I'm Colonel Tolliver from Virginia. Mighty glad to know you, sir. Mighty glad. Mr. Hood, sir, you always a gentleman, sir. Continental Airlines, flight number 234 from Chicago, New York, now loading in case 30. Ah, that's our plane. Excuse us, Colonel. Then it's my plane, too, sir. I should be there in a few minutes. Very well, Colonel. We'll see you on it. Come on, Sandy. Okay, Colonel. 
everybody. Uh, yeah. Here you are, bartender. You can take the gentleman's drink out of this heap change. Thank you, sir. Well, Sandy, this trip may not be as dull as you hoped. The colonel is a phony. His accent was unbelievable. And so was his grandma. He used you all in the swing of that, which no gentleman covered no one. Well, now we've got to track down the writer of the message. Perhaps she'll be on the plane, too. Look, she has had a spot to spot it. By matching up her lipstick with the particular shade used on the napkin. Well, Gregory, I hope it'll look well on Yes, the diamond's been stolen from my pendant. 
Mr. Hood, I'm sorry I was so abrupt with you earlier on. Oh, it's all right, dearie. My approach must have seemed a little startling. May I look at your pendant? Yes. Yes, you see the diamond was tied out of its setting. At least anyway, it would only have taken a second. When did you go to sleep in the shop? About an hour ago. And you're sure the pendant was intact then? Oh, yes, Mr. Hood. I went forward in the cabin to return a magazine. After I'd come back to my seat, I remember fingering the diamond as I dozed off. Mm. Jane, do you remember how many people on this plane passed Miss Shaw's seat in the last hour? Well, I only noticed two. The gray-haired lady sitting up in front and Colonel Tolliver, the man you were asking about, Mr. Hood. Oh, well, I'll have a little talk with him. But before I do, I want to ask you to look at this note, Terry. As you see, the message on it is scribbled in lipstick of the exact shade that you're using. What's the Colonel? You didn't write that, Terry? No, I certainly didn't. That's odd. Well, before we start disturbing any of the other passengers, I'll have a talk with Colonel Tolliver. I know you're a phony. I'll go back to your seat, Miss Shaw, and pretend to be asleep. Very well, Mr. Wooden. Thank you. And Jane, you pretend to be preoccupied with your coffee jug. I don't want him to smell a rat. Right you are, Mr. Hood. Your, your 
lipstick still intrigues me, you know. Mm -hmm. Does it? Well, then, why not do something about it, Terry? Thanks, Terry. I rather think I will. California Sauternes. Ah, yes, a glass of Petri Sauternes and chicken fried till it's crispy and brown or roasted with a savory stuffing. What a combination. Petri Sauternes, you know, is an unusual white wine, beautifully golden in color. And what a flavor that Petri Sauternes has. Subtle, intriguing, really delicious. Believe me, you don't know how good chicken can be, or for that matter, how good fish and seafood can be, until you serve them with Petri Sauternes. And just make sure it is Petri Sauternes, because all Petri wines are good wines. Well, Greg, you had me fool there. I thought your story was nearly over. So there were two diamonds involved. Yes, Harry, and one of them was still at large, the one that I'd seen originally in Miss Shaw's pendant. But why did she claim the wrong diamond as hers? That's what I had to find out, Harry, and that's why, as we filed out of the plane for a half an hour stop at Chicago, I tapped the supposed Colonel Pollard on the shoulder. Huh? Ah, leave me alone, Hood. You won't prosecute. You got nothing on me. My friend here is an attorney. What do you say, Sandy? Well, maybe we could get him on carrying a concealed weapon, eh? You guys lay off of Then tell me one thing, my fine, furious Virginia ham. You know, Don well that the diamond I listed off you was not stolen from that girl. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, you do, but once I'd found it, you didn't protest. Obviously, it's true origin won't bear going into. But why did the girl... I don't leave me alone. I don't know anything. Well, that's the last we see of the colonel. Stewart has told me Chicago's his destination. But the girl's going on to New York. Somewhere between here and there, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Oh, Greg, leave well enough alone. You were probably wrong, and it was the same down. Uh-huh, Sandy. All my bloodhound instincts were at work. In the meanwhile, though, I'll take advantage of being on terra firma again, like this type. <laughs> hey, uh, what's going on over there, huh? Looks like a fight. Uh, well, come on, Sandy. Terry Shaw, somebody's slugged. Stuart is bending over. Jane, Jane, what happened? It's that Colonel Tolliver. He stuck Miss Shaw, snatched the bag, and got away. And that bag had the diamond in it. Let's see if we can catch him, Ben. Another chance. Here we go, Drake. Hop the fence and into a waiting car. All part of a prearranged plan, John. Let's get to a phone and call the police. Is she going to be all right, Jane? Yes, she's just fainting. Oh, well, look after her. We'll get to the nearest phone. Very well, Mr. Blitz. 
We've got to try and head him off, Sandy. Yeah, sure, but how? We haven't got the license number of the car. We don't even know what he looks like under those false whiskers. I know, I know, but he must be a known criminal in Chicago. I wonder if... Sandy, we watched him at the airport bar in San Francisco. Which hand was he using to hold his glass? Uh, which hand? Yes. Uh, the right. Exactly. And yet his revolver was in a shoulder holster under the right armpit for the left hand. And the dexterous, huh? Then you better let me get on that phone. Why? You know your methods, Greg. Hmm? Find out what you need to know and ask the right guy. Okay. There's a lawyer friend of mine who knows every crook in Chicago. At this hour, I should find him at Joe the Angel City Hall Bar. Give me a nickel, Greg. What? This is Hood Company business. <laughs> Continental Airlines, flight 
train was delayed half an hour. They might have gone off without us. As it is, we've time for a drink. What'll it be? Well, I have a glass of sherry. Two dry sherries, please. Yes, sir. Hey, Greg, you still think there was another diamond? I know there was, Sandy. Hmm, where the heck is it? I wish I knew. Uh, well, hello. Look who's coming in. Oh, well, it's Michelle. Hello, Gregory. You really are wonderful. The cutest cousin got my purse back. Yes, Sherry, and the diamond. Oh, uh, do you care for a drink? We're not loading for ten minutes. What are you having? Sherry. I'll have the same. Make that three sherries, please. Coming up. I feel it, Michelle. That blow didn't do any visible damage. Well, I think I just fainted with fright. Well, I must say my chin's awfully sore. Oh, I'm glad you're all right, Terry. Oh, Sandra, do you have some tobacco? Uh-huh, yeah. In the midst of all this excitement, I've forgotten to have that pipe, I promised myself. That's time for at least a third of a pipe full before we get on the plane. Before you light that monstrosity, I've got a reward to give you for getting my bag back. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you hear a moment, Mr. Taylor, please? Oh, dear me. That's good. Aren't you afraid of shocking the barkeep, Terry? His back's Great, great. Uh, turn around, Sandy. This is interesting, Miss Shaw. Your lips might make a man forget almost anything, but I think it's a little odd that the girl I'm kissing should reach for the pipe in my breast pocket. Huh? What are you talking about, Greg? You'll soon see. I'll smoke that pipe now, at last. But, but Greg... Yes? Well, I... No, don't worry, darling. The heat won't damage your diamond. Well, Greg, what do you mean? Look at the result of my fondness for outsized pipe bowls. See what's been hiding in here, Sandy? Oh, oh great Scott. It's the original diamond. Sure it is. This cunning young lady went to the front of the cabin to return a magazine, she said. Actually, she slipped the diamond out of its setting, hid it in the bowl of my pipe while I was sleeping, and then reported it stolen. Well, you must admit it was clever, Greg. Oh, it was brilliant. Too bad your cleverness has led you on the wrong side of the law. Yes, but Greg, well, why? Well, think what she accomplished. The searching of the colonel and the acquisition of his diamond. And she did write that message in lipstick. Sure, she put the finger on the colonel, knowing that he'd thereby become the first suspect. The prettiest hijacking trick I've ever seen. I was rather proud of it. You knew that Keister was carrying the loot from San Francisco to Chicago, and you devised this plot whereby I, in person, should lift the loot from him and return it to you. But the original diamond, the one that she took out of her pendant and hid in your pipe while you were asleep. She knew that she'd intrigued me sufficiently to find an opportunity to get it back before I discovered it. Donna, Greg, you've ruined a beautiful plan. Mm. Well, a young woman in all my experience in law, I've never seen such complete self-possession. Or you're an admitted thief. Have you no conscience? Absolutely none. What are you going to do, Greg? The original diamond is presumably yours. You may keep it here. The other diamond, the one I listed from Keister, I shall return to the San Francisco police. Doubtless, they'll know where it came from. And what are you going to do? Not me. Sandy, you're my attorney. I imagine we can prosecute, can't we? Oh, yes, yes, we can. But uh, I know what happened. Hmm? She'd simply say she'd made a mistake in identifying the jewel, smiled at the jury, crossed her legs a couple of times, and walked out. Here's your drink, folks. Oh, yes, thank you. Well, you ask me what I'm going to do with you, Terry. I'm neither a representative of the law or a moralist. But if you do get away with this, I warn you, I shall be on your trail. Yeah, sounds crazy. Crime really doesn't pay, darling. I'll make it my mission to prove that fact to you. Oh, conscientious, aren't you? In the meanwhile, I'm going to drink a toast to you. I pledge the good fortune which has presented me with such an ingenious and attractive criminal antagonist. It's been fun crossing swords with you. Thank you, sir. And I shall drink to return engagement, Gregory. And I shall drink to the amazing good fortune that has enabled Gregory Hood and company to be successful when it's headed by a sentimental idiot. Amen to that, Sandy. That was 
was a swell story, Greg, but, uh, say, do you really think you'll see her again? Absolutely. There was one little thing I did to make sure of it. You wouldn't by some chance mean that bit of romancing you handed out is a surefire way to bring her back. Harry, that's the obvious way. Okay, you were more subtle. What was? It's only my deep friendship that leads me to setting things up for you like this, Harry. Remember that drink I bought her? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't ice water, old man. (laughs) Smart stuff, Gregory. And if she's as smart as she seemed, she knows that the Petri wine you undoubtedly bought her is good wine. Why, it's got to be. Look at the long years of skill and experience that go into its making. The Petri family has been making wine for generations. Winemaking is their heritage. A heritage handed down from father to son, from father to son. So you can see why the Petri business has grown and grown so that today the Petri family are America's largest independent winemakers. Yes, the making of Petri wine is a family affair, and the Petri family has every intention of keeping it just that. So you know the name Petri on a bottle of wine is more than a trademark. It's the personal assurance of the Petri family that Petri wine is and always will be good wine. Well, Greg, what page of the case book are you turning to for next week's story? A page that has the heading, The Adventure of the Venerable Thugs. It concerns a certain hilarious convention that took place in San Francisco and a strange series of happenings that lead a crooked trail to murder. See you next Monday, Greg. And the Monday after that, no doubt. Harry, what do you suppose you'll be doing ten years from now? Oh, uh... What? Oh, now, don't mind me. I was just musing about all the people who will have their dreams realized ten years from now. You know, a college education for their children, or a new home, or maybe a trip abroad. A rich uncle. Exactly, Harry. A rich Uncle Sam who's going to pay them four dollars for every three dollars they put into savings bonds today. Really, I can't think of a better way to invest your money than in United States savings bonds. Good night. <laughs> Thank you for joining us and enjoying our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Please remember to leave us a review and to follow us for frequent releases.